Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads. Today, I'm joined by Hoopheads 305 Culture host, uh, JJ Rivera. What's up, JJ? Hey, Devin. Thanks for having me on again. <laughs> I re- you were the first person to ever get me a, a chance to come, to come on a podcast, and well, look, look where we are now, almost a year later. Yes, sir. I won't take too much credit for your success now, but um, I'll let's let's say it's mutually beneficial because you're um, one of the few return guests of mine, and I definitely don't have guests as much as I uh, as my uh, listeners would maybe like. But uh, it's always a joy to have you on, especially with how much our teams uh, are intertwined. Um, but yeah, I believe we had discussed also chatting during the playoffs, but of course, just busier times. Um, and now there's just even more content to go over. So, um, I figure now, JJ, you and I have both had um, some very high highs, but also some lows within the past uh, 365 days probably nearly to the day was when we first uh, recorded our first show together. Um, And that obviously did not end up well for the Milwaukee Bucks. We lost in five to a gentleman's sweep. Um, And then, of course, um, the Bucks took care of business in the first round of this year. And we went on to win a championship, but you guys also were only a couple games away from a championship yourself last year. So hopefully we can call it even and uh, get through this uh, recap of the first round smoothly. I want to add something. We were a couple of games away and a couple of injuries away. Yes, sir. Because remember, Bam and Goran got injured. Yeah, that's right. Shoot. I forgot about that. So much has changed. I, I mean, back then... Giannis was still on another contract. We didn't have Drew Holiday. But yeah, so much has changed there too. Of course, you guys have have a have a lot of new additions too that we'll that we'll get to. Um but first, I guess we'll go uh, chronologically starting with the recap of the first round. Game 1 was was a thriller. Um if some don't remember um, this was the game that that was uh, forced into overtime by Jimmy Butler breezing past Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, this was the one game where I wanted to go back and rewatch some of the highlights for uh, that one play. I remember being really frustrated because Giannis just kind of um, Jimmy just got a quick step on him, and he was and Giannis was just waiting for Brooke to come and help, but. Uh, of course, that didn't really happen much. Um, and then another memorable play that I have here was uh, Giannis's go-go gadget arms uh, reaching reaching down, almost army crawling onto the floor to 
to snag it from Jimmy Butler. Um, that was either I I don't remember for sure if that was late in regulation or late in overtime. I want to say regulation, but that was another play that I think might be uh, fun for some Bucks fans to remember. And of course, the finale with the Chris game winner right around the elbow over Duncan Robinson. Um, definitely a contested shot from the rewatch that I saw. Um, there was also a um, an extra pass from Ariza to Goran Dragic for a pretty wide open three to tie the game before then. And then also uh, Drew Holiday going, going coast to coast before that play. So a lot of excitement here. You just peek at the box score. This was the lowest scoring game for Bam where he only had nine points. And um, that's that's maybe something you could be able to speak to more so than myself, JJ, as far as the level of concern you might have for Bam, although it is just one series. Do you have any thoughts so far on game one or perhaps Bam at a bio? Yeah, well, it's been talked about ad nauseum about how... A poor series Bam Adebayo had in terms of of offense, and a poor series overall for the team. Our two star players didn't exactly come to play, save for that game one, and even for that game one, Bam wasn't exactly, you know, great. the mm-hmm. The drop was some was somehow giving him problems with with Brooke Lopez, and he wasn't taking the shots. That was something that was that. We I touched upon when in the last regular season meeting between the Bucks and the Heat, in which Jimmy Butler did not play, but Bam did play, and the Bucks basically, you know, they tipped their hand a bit with how they were going to play him. Had would they encounter themselves in the playoffs? Spoiler alert: They did end up encountering themselves in the playoffs with, and Bam seemingly never knew how to solve the the drop scheme that the Bucks were were deploying to to guard him. That game one for for my money it was one of the best games in the playoffs. It gets lost in the sauce because the the series as a whole was not very entertaining. You know, I I hated the rest of the, of the games, but that game one that was thrilling to watch. I loved it. And and you know, I watched it on my phone because I was on the road. But I didn't miss a second of it because it was out. You know, it was an outstanding game. I was surprised that Jimmy Butler blew. But I, I guess it's what you mentioned that Giannis thought that Brook had his back in terms of contesting at the rim, but Jimmy just ended up blowing past him. And also, I was I saw thought I was curious for Giannis not to force Jimmy Butler left. If I'm not if I'm not misremembering. No. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. No. He yeah, was. No, he was Pretty much pretty just much uh, let him go let right him go to his right, right. and yeah, I don't know yeah, if I don't know. If, I don't I don't know I don't, if the plan was just to allow him to walk straight into Brook Lopez or not, but I think I would I would venture to go more towards that he just he he was just too quick at in that on that possession. Giannis for some reason wasn't ready or just. I mean, he isn't he he isn't like particularly quick anyways on the perimeter of like shifting his hips he's uh he makes up makes up for that more so with his length but uh he's not particularly a great perimeter defender we'll call him his real value his real elite strength lies on his help defense and his that's that's what i would say you know maybe you know more than i do because you know you watch the box every single day but 
for what I could gather in the finals and the playoffs and the regular season games that I managed to catch the Bucks and, and see Giannis, I would say that his best strength is him. He can guard the perimeter. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying that I think that his best strength in, on defense is, would be helping defensively because of his such, such a long frame that he has. He's probably the best the best help defender in the entire league and because he will just swat your shot away or suddenly all those gigantic hands will appear and contest your shot. But going back to the to game one, and I want to talk quickly about the Chris Middleton thing. You mentioned it briefly. It was it was a good contest. It was just simply a, like Mark Jackson likes to say that was good defense, better offense, and that was just a crazy, crazy shot by Chris Middleton. It was a high degree of difficulty. I don't think, for my money, I don't think the the Heat coaching staff necessarily had an issue with him making that shot because it was good defense. There was it wasn't poor defense. It was a really good contest. So kudos to to you guys. You you know you went on a run to win the championship or at that game. But you know for that at least for that game one after that game one I had hope that maybe we could repeat what we did last season but you know, well the season before last season because we're that was already last season but you get, you know what I'm saying. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's yeah, it, times a times an interesting thing now, where, um, yeah, I mean we were we were still in last year's playoffs. I think it was closer to. I mean, it would have been close anyway. Like the Heat series, maybe would have been like going on at this point last year, because I was close to exactly a year ago actually when I started this whole thing, and that was with the Orlando Magic. And the anniversary of Jacob Blake just recently passed too, which was during the Magic series. So, uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what I'm referring to when I say last season either uh, half the time. But, yeah, the Chris Middleton tough shot express is something that we've come to live with. But by nature, other teams have to live with as well, for better or worse. Um, and, yeah, I, I know that Bucks and Heat fans both um, felt cautiously optimistic, probably after Game One, um, and then even Game Two, which which I'll get into now. I I wasn't particularly sold either. Um, I'm as listeners will know, I'm a bit more cautious in my takes so that it doesn't so that it doesn't bite me in the butt like when I'm when I'm really low on like a Bobby Portis signing and then he goes on to become Milwaukee's, Milwaukee's uh, uh you weren't person. you weren't overly you weren't overly confident that Brent Forbes would just keep shooting like <laughs> lights out no I I, no, I, I did I, not think Brent Forbes would have two 22 point games in this series but the game two was the Brent Forbes game here where there was we had our 46 point first quarter um it was a playoff franchise record 22 points for the Milwaukee Bucks um and it felt this is just kind of a game that's uh more likely to happen now in the modern NBA where players are just better three-point shooters and teams are better at allowing their three-point shooters to succeed and there's high variances so I think I think uh there 
Uh, there was a game similar to this early in the regular season as well with us versus you guys, the Warriors. Um, I believe the Knicks, the Knicks too. Like there yeah, were a number of games and probably, probably also, also I might even I be might confusing even. some of those with games that happen against us where I was just like, all right, I'm turning this one off early. Teams are just hitting on all cylinders. But yeah, I find it, yeah. I find it, I find it interesting that they, I mean, a little bit more, a little, no less, much less than a year had passed, and you know, the, there was a regular season meeting between the Heat and the Bucks in December, and then flash forward to what is it, April? It was yeah, April or May, yeah, May, and the Bucks had another historic hot shooting night. And we just couldn't do anything about it. I want to looking at your notes here, and I think the Wayne Detman did more than just lead us in scoring. He was the only one who flat out showed out to play mm-hmm. because I I don't know if it was fatigue that took over or you know I've seen you know I've sometimes thought that maybe Ben was injured and we didn't know about it and we might never know about it because he looked so timid in that series. And Jimmy, he just didn't have it going. He was, you know, it was a recurring issue all year long where if Jimmy didn't have it going, like Jimmy had to come save us multiple times. And coming off the shortest, the second shortest offseason in NBA history, just right after the LA Lakers from the same offseason, having one of the shortest, one of the shortest offseasons in NBA history and in American sports history in general. Yeah, um, yeah. It took a toll on the team, and I think it's, it just it was too much to handle. And by that point, I think you know, I have hopes. I still had hopes for game three. For yeah, it was game game three. But yeah, after game three, I knew they were their heads were in a different area. So it is what it is. Yeah. Um. I think in this one, Jimmy only had 10 points in 32 minutes, but I know a lot of that we, I mean, yeah, it was just demoralizing to to go up against a team that seemingly can't miss at all and is up so by so much early. Um, and yeah, Dwayne Dedman, he's someone where we can, this will maybe be better for another section, but He's stayed with you guys, and and um, I was really impressed by him. This is probably the main game where it was, but um, yeah, he seems just like like an exceptional second center to have, where he can even at times put put up an open three, but he can he's also a rim protector as well. So um, that bodes well for you guys moving forward. Um, but yeah, as I said, I still wasn't wasn't totally sold even after a 2-0 lead that that the Bucks uh would take it home. I didn't want to I didn't want to get a two ahead of us just taking care of business um at home. Um but then going into game 3, um this was one where uh the Bucks really hung their hat on on defense holding holding the Heat to 84 points. This was unfortunately the game where Dante got hurt. It was kind of crazy when I said I was watching the some of the highlights at, at the end of game one and I was seeing Dante out there I almost I almost shed a tear for our for our guy Regu but 
no doubt we'll see him out there later again uh, early on this season. Uh, Drogic started for none at in game three from the looks of it. And you guys had another guy show up off the bench, and, the bench, and this time it was Nemanja Bielica, um just sinking some insane threes. But then at the same time, I believe Giannis was kind of going right back at him um, on the other end. So sort of balanced out there, even in Nemanja's best games. And he has now, I believe, moved on uh, to the Warriors. So he's, he's he'll be an outgoing piece for you guys this year. Um, not that we'll miss him. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I I bet you'll you'll miss him to a degree, but at the same time, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'll just say no, you, you guys you had a good off season, good regardless. Off so no, no, I miss him to zero degrees. Oh, to zero degrees. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He did me. nothing for us. He he was brought in for shooting. Never shot it well enough to justify that role. On defense, he was getting cooked. He was seemingly out of shape. You know, my, the Miami Heat really pride themselves in their players being in shape, as it has been widely reported. I don't know if you read the report that. I mean, the Heat culture goes international. Paul Pogba of Manchester United, midfielder for them, having the best season of it, the best start of his career in, in a Manchester United jersey. And he trained with the Miami Heat this offseason. He was reporting the best shape of his life. So that's something that Miami really prides himself in. And the fact that, you know, we have, you know, I don't, I don't want to crap on an NBA player. But those are the expectations when you play for the Miami Heat. You have to be in shape. You have to play hard. And he didn't fit that mold. Yeah, so I guess uh won't be missing him too much um, as, he, as he gave it back uh, on the other end uh, pretty much there. But yeah, that was crazy. I did I did hear that about um Pogba and that's pretty wild to me considering um the condition that obviously soccer players have to be in as well and it'll be interesting to see um well a couple a couple of thick boys maybe maybe one of, one of our own dogs will be joining you guys too this season so it'll be it'll be interesting to see see how they uh, how how they look after after some run with the Miami Heat, but of course those guys have had plenty of success. Uh, if you if you're referring to PJ Tucker, I don't think conditioning will be an issue. With yeah, him. yeah. Uh, we we uh, definitely yeah. saw that in the next round with him. But the um besides uh, in Game Three, the Bucks uh, hanging their hat on defense. There, they also went on went on a late run. Um, between uh, the end of the third and the, or in the early fourth, where they made, <clears throat> pardon me, eleven out of twelve field goal attempts. <clears throat> so that's where they really, they really took the game, the took it home there. Um, and then finally in game four, the closeout was when we had um, a huge Brook Lopez game, twenty five points from him. Uh, where he was hunting mismatches in the posts and um, another sneaky uh, example of Brooke Lopez showing up in the playoffs when they'll probably be at some point when people are low on the bucks in the regular season where they might be calling for Brooke to be traded again. But he always, he always shows up in, in, in a, in big moments. Um, 
So happy to see happy it to here. See it here. Um, um, sorry, uh, There's a section of Bucks Twitter that gets unhappy with Brooke Lopez every 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 time of the year or something like that. There was, there was a, a there was a very strong campaign to have Mamadi Diakite become our starting center, um, which I think might have been started as a joke, but of course, I suppose with any fan base or just I don't know, there are plenty of uh, casuals out there. Um, I guess they'll glom on to anything, but. We don't subscribe to that here. Do you do you know Mamadi Diakite even? Um, and that even and that isn't even meant to be like a slight, like a more slight, just of an example, example of how foolish the take is. I haven't heard of him. But he, I, he was he was like our two way like player, player last year. Did he get signed? He got signed he got at the signed end, at of, the end year, of the year, but, but he is. He is so the way it's looking like right now with the Bucks roster, they're going to have to waive one of. Um, said Brooke Lopez potential replacement, Mamadi Diakite, or probably more likely Elijah Bryant, who I liked a lot, but still, those two guys were at one point two way slots, and one of them they wanted to replace uh, Brooke Lopez with. So that was entertaining, but yeah. Funny, yeah. considering how big he was for you, the, and how big your line, you know, the, the, you know, your lineup being so tall essentially led you to the championship because no team had a combination of bigs that could counter what you guys could do. Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. And, and also the luxury also of having, having having Brook shooting too and his elite rim protection, it's something that, that people really shouldn't uh, take for granted just because, I don't know, Brook, Brook doesn't look like a like a modern big, but he but he really is, and it's something that, like for example, New Orleans Pelicans fans are probably dying for um, with a guy like Zion. But yeah, Brooke was the leading scorer in this one with 25 points. We don't see that quite often, but this was another 22-point game from Bryn Forbes. Um, Giannis and Jimmy Butler each had uh, triple-doubles. Giannis had 15 assists. Which I almost want to like double check right now, but I'm like fairly confident in that. Um, but I won't go to the notes right now. We'll we'll we can maybe put an asterisk on that, and I can come back to it later. Anyways, and then um, I will say I had you will probably take exception to this, JJ. I'm not gonna lie, but I had some gripes with Goran Dragic in this series. Um. Not just this play that I'm that I'm going to refer to, where at the end of this one, Drogic was going after Chris Middleton on a hard foul, and Chris just kind of la- laughed laughed him off. But I don't remember that being particularly a non basketball play. I haven't gone to rewatch the foul, but but I, I remember in it would have been episode forty one of Nuck a Few Buck um, talking about how there was more than one occasion where um, where. I was displeased with with Drogic. I I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but do you have any do you have any feelings like that towards any other Bucks or players or any other opponents where they bug you? Yeah, I won't yeah, use any won't expletives because sometimes fans go too far. But no, I mean, and I've seen some you know I've seen I don't I believe I've seen some fan bases you know take some exception to Gore and he, 
And the way he he plays really hard. He you know he he's almost always the smallest guy in the court. The court, so he you know he sometimes can get a little scrappy with it. As uh, as far as a bug that bothers me, he's no longer a bug. He's now a spur, which is Brent Forbes. I <laughs> something about so something about him having a, a somehow a hot shooting not. Curry night against us for multiple occasions and something about you know the face that he made I didn't like him you know I was like okay dude but yeah, yeah that and, makes and, sense and, and, <laughs> any any other team uh no I I take no exception to them well maybe to if if we're talking retired though then I could I could name probably a bunch of players that I don't like. Back when the heats, the big three heyday, when there was a lot of smack talking to, to my team, and you know the heat, the uh, Miami Heat probably shut them down. You know, I'm probably referring to some guy that, that's the opposite of a lie, and he was, <laughs> he had a messy exit out of ESPN. But where, where that's, that and some other guys, but you know, I'm, I'm not usually. This I don't dislike any NBA player a lot because you know I'm actually happy for most NBA players. They make it this far in life. They they make a bunch of money. They do something that they love, and and you know they most of them get their get to you know get their families to leave precarious situations like Giannis, for example. Give you know you should side note this is. This is an unpaid promotion, but you should definitely check out Miriam Fader's book on Giannis. I've been reading it. No, this might be blasphemy among his Heat fans, but I've never had an issue with Giannis. I actually love Giannis as a play, as a, as a player, and as a person. He seems to be really cool and really wholesome, and you know, a, a guy that that's really pure in his intentions. So, reading this book, I think it has shed a light on who he is, and I definitely recommend. Because Miriam Fader did a phenomenal job with it, so yeah, I, we veered a bit off topic, but I feel like yeah, it's okay. It's it somehow relates to it because, I, as I said, I don't necessarily dislike any NBA player as much as you know if they play against my team and they do something that you know it's not that we don't like. Yeah, well, we'll some fans will take it really far and and, and sit and curse them out and 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 call them trash, you know, which I find funny whenever. Regular fans call call NBA players trash because I <laughs> I think it, they most fans some somehow some people have the misconception that if they encounter a bench warmer NBA player like say what was the guy's name Mamadi I don't want to I don't want to Mamadi Diakite yeah he would yeah, cook yeah. us Mama, yeah Mamadi Diakite and he he would show up at your local YMCA and give you and give you the business so yeah. I usually refrain from criticizing NBA players harshly, you know, due, you know, due to their character or something, unless they do something really terrible, of course. But you know, aside from that, no, I, I don't have an issue with any NBA player <laughs> to give a to make a long answer short. No, you thank you. You gave me a lot to work with there. First off, with the so Bryn Forbes, that makes sense to me because he was always. He only had this one year with us, and he was always very stoic, even when he was uh, 
even when he was having like a hot shooting night. But like the only other emotion he would display would like, I don't know if he like mean mugs, but like otherwise, he he just gets like gradually more pissed off looking. I think almost similar to a mean mug. You mentioned you mentioned mean mug. That's a weak ass mean mean mug. Mean mug is Westbrook. I, I, when I think of a mean mug, I think of Westbrook Giannis. I mean, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know what Jimmy, else to refer it to as. He just like, just like he just looks more, looks more intense, intense, I guess, I when he's when he's hot. He's hot. So I, mean, I can I'm, see how he like, tries to look more like intense. <laughs> yeah, I think he yeah. tries to look more intense. I mean, I mean, hell, one of our old players is guilty of that. Tyler Hero, when he mean mugged the Celtics, I, I love the moment, but when I look back on it, yeah, man, that's that's not a, a great mean mug, man. You got to talk to Jimmy about that. Yeah, that was, and the the floppy hair with it too, I think had me. But I mean, shout out the Wisconsin boy, the Woodland Conference representative. Um, yeah, shout out Tyler Harrow, and um, well, I guess this is this is a fine point. Do you have any? Have you have, have you had any updated feelings about Tyler Harrow and his like potential over this past year? Or do you or feel, do you that, feel like, that, like, he had, like, an exceptional rookie year and it just maybe, like, regressed to the mean, but that mean is still good? Listen, That's I kind think... Of, kind of how I how feel, I feel about, about it from, it from the, the far outside. outside. Like, he's still yeah, a good still player, a good I think. Player. <laughs> like, He's still a really good player, and he's on track to be a really good player. I, I mean, a really good player, may potentially even a starter on a championship team, but the most, I think... His most optimal role is the undisputed sixth man on a on a on a championship level team, which he'll get a chance to do this coming off this coming season because he is the he is the clear cut sixth man of this team. Now he doesn't have to share the ball a lot with Kendrick Nunn or or Goran Dragic. You know, he is the undisputed lead ball lead ball handler in the second unit. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see what he does. His scoring average even went up in his sophomore season. He went from 13 to 15 points per game. It's just that he was so ingrained in the public consciousness, particularly after that Celtics series, that he was admittedly fantastic in it. And he had a historic performance for a rookie in what I want to say... I can't remember the game, game, but he... I do remember what happened. 37 points. He was outstanding. But... Yeah, I mean, and he's been the subject of trade speculation ever since the off season, the last off season started after the finals run. He had been the subject of trade speculation, the James Harden rumors, and then and up to the trade deadline. I believe it was reported that the Heat and the Raptors were very close on a Kyle Lowry deal, but fortunately for us, Masai Ujiri pulled the plug. Which again, I discussed in my pod with my gracious co-host Kenneth. Shout out to Kenneth. He's not here right now, but mm-hmm. I know he will eventually listen. Shout out Kenneth. Shout out Kenneth. But we we both mentioned it that Masai kind of shot himself in the foot with that because the Heat were willing to give up. I think it was one of Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn, and some salary for for Kyle Lowry, which eventually ended up costing us. Goran Dragic, which again hurts a lot, and Precious Achua, who admittedly looked really good in summer league, mm-hmm. but again he was a guy that 
he wasn't ready to contribute the way we needed to need him to in our current timeline. But he again, a re- he's going to be a fine player, I think. And with the Raptors development system, I think he he'll turn into a really good NBA player. Best best wishes to wishes to Precious. But yeah, that's how I feel about Tyler. I think he's going to be fantastic to see. So I'm going to say it. He's going to be really good. He's going to lead us in bench scoring. And he might have a he might be a dark horse contender for the sixth man of the year. Yeah, I'm really tempted to, and I think I'm going to do it and take us potentially even more off the rails and just briefly ask if you had any particular thoughts on the Raptors offseason then? Because, well, one, I'm happy for Precious. Precious. Um, and that he'll he'll get more opportunity on the Raptors than he likely would have on the Heat because he's always seemed like an interesting player. He was coming out of that draft advertised as someone with the potential to guard. Uh, I mean, the closest in that draft to guard one through five, that's like a tall order for anyone, but exceptionally versatile defender. And they drafted another guy similar to that this year in Scotty Barnes over Jalen Suggs. And they already have Siakam and Anunobi. I like a lot of their talent. I just find it, I just find it particularly redundant. And I haven't like, we, honestly like, seen honestly a ton, seen of, a Suggs ton of Suggs or, or Barnes. I would like, but I would like but to. What do you think? What do you think? I would like to see. First off, I'm gonna, I'm going to say something here. I would like to see a Chris Boucher, Pascal Siakam, OG Anunobi, Scotty Barnes versus a Chua lineup on the floor. At least for thirty seconds. I would love that. <laughs> that will be the <laughs> ultimate long and tall lineup in the NBA. I mean, Nick Nick Nurse would probably would be beside himself. If he, I I think he'll. They need to try it at least once for the culture. They need to try it because oh man, that would be so fun to watch. Probably Pascal will be the lead head ball handler, but the other guys that that will be the ultimate switchable defense. It, it would be, and I guess you would just have to try to finish over over everybody, because I, I I feel I feel like they could have just taken Jalen Suggs and then had had another guard who could who could shoot. Um, I I really like Scotty Scotty Barnes Scotty Scotty Barnes's skill set, but I know a lot of people are really down on the potent on his jump shot. Um, and but also, again, like his physical, yeah, his, his physical tools are so tantalizing, and you pair them up, pair that up with the Raptors. They have a really good reputation of have of player development up there in Toronto. True. So pair that with a player who seemingly has a really good work ethic and all those physical tools. I could see why they went that in that direction, and I guess. If I'm a Raptors fan, I would be really excited for the future because also my shout out to my guy OG. I talked to him. It's probably the most talked about non-heat player in the 305 Culture Podcast because he's one of my favorite players. I don't know what makes him. I'm, I'm a lover of 3 and D wings and probably OG is the is the premier 3 and D wing in the, in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's going to make a huge jump this season, I'm calling it. Yeah, I could see it. Um, I mean, he's. I know the Dunked On podcast with Nate and Danny for a year have been uh, screaming through the megaphone that he's like 
he could easily be like the best one-on-one defender in the league um, with his blend of size, but also lateral quickness. Um, and he can do like a little bit like um, with the ball in his hands and hit and hit an open jumper. Um, it's pr- like he probably just probably has to. That's um, the next step for him, though. Yeah. On ball creation. Mm-hmm. And if yeah, who's who's to say he can't he can't do that this year or in the or in the short years to follow? Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see the Raptors. I just I just I think it might be the former NBA two K my league addict in me, but I just get like really anal about teams that I really like with a lot of prospects that I like. But they just like goof up one move where I think that they could fit perfectly. But I feel like that that's kind of that's missing the forest for the trees because they're going more. They're more likely to go towards a rebuild. Um, uh, but hey, um, they still have a lot you, of talent. You mentioned something. I will, I still am a my league addict. I can spend hours upon hours on that game mode, and I know. 2K has its issues, particularly with player ratings. They feel like sometimes they don't watch basketball enough. They have somebody that just assigns ratings at random because I've seen some guys have. I mean, for example, I, I know I don't know what we're doing. We're veering, we're veering a lot off track here. That's we're okay. We still got time. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking about NBA too, but very quickly. I mean, the other I haven't played in a while since you know I said, oh, well, you know this this game is about to be obsolete in about a week, right? So, so I said, hey, mm, let me let me give it one last try before we, I end up moving to the other. And it had cow like for example, this is my main gripe with with how it rates plays is that I feel like they don't watch the games enough. Like for example, Kyle Kuzma, a, a fine player, if you ask me. And I think he's going to be really good for Washington. Another side note. Go back to the main point. They had him as a C-plus perimeter defender. I think he should be much higher. He's a really good wing defender in the perimeter who has who showed constant improvements with, with the LA Lakers. So I, that's one of many gripes I have with the game. But again, I'm, an, I'm a my league addict. I'm an NBA addict. And the, these coming months are going to be really hard for me. I mean, there's some NFL football, but that's one day once a week. So how much I need, you know, I, I need my, my sports content, man. I, I need it. And my, my favorite league is, is this, this is one of the, probably one of the most, not difficult, but most boring times of the year for me because I don't watch a lot of MLB, although we, we're soon getting into the postseason and that's when it gets really fun. That's when we have, the sports equinox when we have NHL, NBA, MLB, and NFL at the same time. Yeah. So, man, I don't know. We went way off track here. <laughs> so yeah, it's fine. But that you know, it starts to get cooler. The in the year, the fall starts to come. The NBA starts back up, and you know that's when when things really start looking good for me, in, at least for the rest of the year. And then Christmas comes around. So yeah, I'm gonna. Let's go back to the main point, which was the Raptors, because we went way off topic here. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's baked into the plan. Um, yeah. Do you have any more takes on the Raptors? Or, well, I mean, 
we, we can start a, we can start a petition for them to have that affirmation lineup in the, on the floor. Let's get Raptors Twitter yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. maybe. If 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 I were if joining this joining this petition, I would ask for I would ask for one other shooter out there. But what? no, no, it has. It's to all right. Be, we're, it, we're it has to be Chris Boucher, Pascal, OG, Scotty Barnes, and Precious. So it has to be those guys. Yeah. I mean, think about it. That would be basketball nirvana for Nick Nurse, at least, and Messiah Jerry. Yeah, I guess we can't make any exceptions if we want to, like, do some, if we really want to start a revolution here. You know, we could, this would be, like, the Milwaukee Bucks is, like, I guess maybe circa 2015 lineup when we had MCW as our point guard. That would really be, like, them walking so that this Raptors lineup could sprint. I mean, look, that will be the natural progression of it, right? Except that none of those aforementioned guys is in the level of Giannis. But at that time, Giannis wasn't exactly the guy that he is today. True. True. Who knows so, where Scotty Barnes, Barnes, Barnes will be? Are we are we saying that they, that Scotty Barnes was the next Giannis? Oh gosh! Oh, gosh. Please don't make Please this, don't the, make clip this the clip episode. for this episode. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's let's tell that to Mike. Let, tell Mike that this should be the clip for the episode. Let's let's give it to all the aggregators out there. All right, fine. Can I at least hedge and say Pascal Siakam? Or is that worse? I don't even know. Pascal Siakam, why? Yeah. That, that he's gonna be the the he's gonna be the next. That Scotty Barnes gonna be the next Pascal Siakam. That could be a good outcome for him. Pascal is a fine player. It's just he just had a tough tough season. Tough season all around for the Raptors. I've mentioned it on on my own pod. The Raptors yeah, yeah. had a pretty difficult season they have probably they're the team that i would cut the most slack for because they were playing away from home they had that covid outbreak that ravaged their season and by the end they just threw in the towel i would throw in the towel much earlier but hey that's maybe that's why i'm not an nba player yeah i i thought i remembered that they had like a four game win streak late in the year that who knows if that would have cost them some ping pong balls and gotten them Evan Mobley instead of uh, Scotty Barnes. But anyhow, JJ, if it's okay with you, I think I'll finally uh, swerve us more into a bit of the re- a review of free agency, which I'll take the liberty. It's past 9 p.m. here in Milwaukee, so it's acceptable based on my rules that I'm going to crack a beer. Anytime it's always acceptable to crack a beer open, even down here in Puerto Rico. Although we would recommend a good medalla, but oh, yeah. which is a, a local beer. If you ever find yourself down here, that's the, that's the one to go. Right now I'm pouring a Miller Lite tall boy into a Milwaukee tool glass. And this is an honor to our dog, PJ Tucker, moving on from the Milwaukee Bucks and joining the Miami Heat. Um, a guy that we've been long after, we've been linked to for a, a while there, back when he was in Houston, but we didn't get him. Yeah, he does seem like a very much Miami Heat guy. So, although it's a huge bummer that uh, our teams could very well meet, and I will be uh, more concerned than I would have been last year. Um, 
Yeah, maybe closer than otherwise just because cause riding the confidence of the championship. So maybe call it a wash at best. But I won't look forward to playing P.J. Tucker. But for his sake, I'm glad he's still on, um, on a team that's going to be very good moving forward. Of course, also with, um, with Kyle Lowry, who will be huge for you guys. You mentioned earlier how... If Jimmy Butler wasn't wasn't on that night, it was uh, uh, it would have been pretty tough for you guys. I was I was gonna say it would have been barbecue chicken, but you guys have enough talent there where uh, that's a little hyperbolic. But it would have been tough if Jimmy wasn't having an off night, and having Kyle Kyle Lowry helps that. Um, and then you also got Markeith Morris, um, who can fill in for um, the Nemanja Bielitsa minutes that I. Uh, I for some reason remember so fondly, but you have a lot more minutes there to look look back on uh, with less rose colored glasses. Outgoing, you have Goran Dragic, um, Andre Iguodala returned to the Warriors, Kendrick Nunn, Trevor Ariza went to the Lakers, and as we talked about, uh, Precious um, will be paving a path of his own on the Raptors. Um. Yeah, I I sort of breezed past the PJ Tucker thing there, but of course JJ, you know, I have had plenty of time to talk about my disappointment with, with essentially letting him go based on some cryptic cryptic Instagram messaging from him for about an hour or so. Bucks fans were fine with PJ just deciding that he wanted to drive his Ferraris uh in the in the Miami sun instead of the the Milwaukee blizzards, but apparently he, he would have been fine with staying here. Um, yeah, that's weird. Is it per his Instagram post? He felt kind of blindsided by him leaving the Bucks because it seemed like he was set to return. And I mean, I thought Bobby Pars was the one that's going to, that was going to leave. And he mm-hmm. did reportedly leave money on the table again to come back to Milwaukee. I guess he just loved it there so much. Who, who Bobby Partis was another heat target, and I I would have loved crazy eyes down in Miami. That would have been cool. But hey, Dude. you guys got to keep him at a really, really cheap. I thought he was going to get upwards of ten million, but he he had stayed there for much less. Yeah, I sure hope that. Um, well. Seems like pure speculation, but that the rumor, yeah, the speculation is true that there's already like a a, a handshake deal for next off season to to allow Bobby to sign for. Um, excuse me, I believe it would be early bird rights instead of his non bird rights, which he used this year. Um. So, yeah, I really hope that's the case, but we definitely have Bobby on a bargain. The The PJ thing, I, I did some of the math before, and if we were looking at his contract in a vacuum, his if he would have signed for the same deal, which if I remember correctly was like two-year, $15 million with the Heat. Around 7.5 per. Yeah, yeah. It would have been closer to like nearly double that, considering that we'll be in the repeater tax after next season. 
So I, 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 that's where, that's where I start to start to sympathize a little bit. But once I, once I check myself, uh, like siding with multi millionaires, that's where I, that's where I tend to stop. So, um, Hey, hey, those guys can afford it. Yeah. They, they're billionaires. They, they can, they can't afford it. Trust me. And if, if there's any business sense in it, they'll they'll pay they'll happily pay for it because championship teams cost money, and mm-hmm. they already and they better not break that promise to Giannis, which they said they were willing to spend in order to win. So let's just hope that they win that with him under contract for the long haul, they don't see it as they don't start like veering off track there and start to cut back a bit on, on some costs in order to to save themselves a bit more money and have the team be less competitive because I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know, the, the, the big monster to slay is up in New York in Brooklyn, 100%. but you, you guys have a chance as, as, as we, as our own guys have a chance of beating those guys. They don't feel unbeatable. It's not like the 2017 warriors where I truly felt that was the only team in my lifetime that was unbeatable. Yeah, um, I mean, we proved it. We proved it this year, of course, with a lot of injury luck and lack thereof on the Nets, which is will not go unrecognized. But things happen. Um, that doesn't put an asterisk on anything. But yeah, same thing could happen next year. Hey man, don't feel bad knows. about don't feel bad about things breaking your way this year. Every championship <laughs> team, to some degree, has things go their way. We had it multiple occasions. I mean, I talked about it with Kenneth. Why Greg Popovich decided not to make that substitution and and take Duncan out of the game? Would Chris Bosh have grabbed that rebound? Probably, but the chances are much, probably almost almost zero if Tim Duncan is on the floor at that time with the Ray Allen shot. And, you know, other, you know, it's just, just, hey, stuff like that happens. When things break your way, really hard to beat you and it, they broke your your way this season yeah I, I, just, I just think it's it's worthwhile as um, you and I claiming to not be casuals to like recognize those things but we can also look at it both ways and remember times like that I feel like I heard recently in the media that um, it was brought up again that, that Ray Allen shot just like the level of the level of craziness of that shot. It's kind of funny. Like, it's almost like the more memorable a moment is, like, the more, like, scrutiny or, like, more of an asterisk will be put on it. But that might that, often, might, that might have a little bit too much negativity on it for this show. I oftentimes think about not just the difficulty, but the improbability of all of that happening in one single sequence. Because yeah. if... I don't know if you remember, but LeBron James missed badly, and I mean badly, from deep. And somehow Chris Bosh found the ball in the middle of, I think he was between, I don't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Kawhi or Mino Ginobili and Thiago Splitter. But he managed to grab that ball. And the fact that Ray Allen was already retreating to the three-point line before receiving the pass, 
knowing when exactly to stop, shoot the ball, keep his body straight, and make that shot. It's just because if he had stepped, he had one more step toward one more step backwards, he was out of bounds. And he, if he had miscalculated, he might have stepped on the line, and the game they would have been down one instead of tying the game. So I often time, I often times think of just how improbable all of that was, and it will probably be for the rest of my life my favorite sports memory that. I'll never forget it. Oh yeah, and the the Bucks Bucks fans will have plenty of those too. Like I don't think that block on DeAndre Ayton where where Giannis didn't even see the ball; he just knew where it was going to be, and then just ball, ballerina twirled himself into into the swat of a lifetime. Um, I mean that that at the end of the what was it? I think it was. I get the game games mixed up. Mixed up. I uh, I think it was Game Five, right? Game five when when you yes, won. Yes, because it was a week. Uh, yeah, because it was a weekend. Yep. Mm-hmm. That and in Phoenix and you know, I don't I don't remember who it was. I think it was Drew Holiday who stripped Devin Booker of the ball. So you yeah, know, Phoenix the- fans or Phoenix fans are saying, "Oh, that was a foul." Listen, when you lowered the when you lowered the ball like that, and you are in a crowd, the ref will not see it, and in, and in a close game, they're not going to call that. So let it go. So and and then Drew has the the absolute wow. I I, I don't have a word to describe yeah, it. Yeah, we can say balls. <laughs> in the he has the balls in that moment to throw a lob to Giannis, and he caught it. Yeah, and the and the picture of Giannis after with just like the just like it's a very like subtle flex. But he's just kind of like, yeah, he's just kind of like, yeah, you know who I am. Like, you know why I'm here. I do this all the time. But just straight faced, like, not even like a huge flex, just like arms straight out. But he still looks enormous. Like, also right at the camera. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Hey, good for you, man. Live those moments out. Yeah. They're the best. Now, be aware that. The coming season, there will be a lot of scrutiny. Everybody will give you the best every single night. They'll give you their best. They'll probably hey, don't be surprised if you if your first game in Phoenix ends up being a blowout. So I'm just saying because that team is gonna be extremely motivated. Oh and yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not throwing you. I'm not. I'm not throwing you any bad luck or anything. It's just that it somehow it sometimes goes that way. Most of your playoff opponents will want will be out for blood. That means the Hawks, the Nets, and the Heat will be also out for blood. All those teams are really good. They will be much improved, particularly the Nets and the Heat. The Nets with their just their improved health bill and the Heat with all the additions they made in the offseason. So I'm just saying, it's fun now. It might be even fun. It might be not frustrating, but more challenging the next season because everybody's going to give you your best shot. But again, that also makes it fun because if your guys conquer it, as we saw in the 2013 Miami Heat coming off the 2012 championship, then you feel like, wow, my team is invincible. We are truly the best team in the world and nobody can say anything to us. So you got to learn how you're, you're, it's going to be a fun ride. Winning a championship is always fun. So 
and no matter what happens the next season, you in the coming seasons, if you don't win again in forty years, which you know, for your sake, I hope it doesn't happen. Although not at our expense, you have to win, let us win a couple more rings first. So, <laughs> so it's always fun. It really is. Oh yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't trade it for anything, and I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely okay with having with actually having more of a target on our backs this year. And I maybe maybe it's easy to say now, but considering that it's that it's been 50 years since, and we're a small market, not like a free agent destination. I, I feel I feel like I could ride ride this for at least a decade without having any like sour feelings with how like the rest of it plays out. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you have similar feelings at all, since you guys obviously won a championship within the past decade. I don't know if, if feelings sort we of changed two. if you became hungry again more so when you had like a like um, like when you guys had a new iteration of the Miami Heat with like Jimmy Butler and more of like the I don't know just more Heat culture guys like that. Do you think that sort of like sparked more of a hunger and like less satis- satisfaction as a Heat fan? Oh yeah, because before Jimmy, you know, we were more more operating on the like, hey, we have a good core here. Let's keep building towards something bigger. But then Jimmy Butler became available, and all that was accelerated. Couple that with Bam's astounding jump. Then all of a sudden you have bigger goals, and you have to you. As we all know, Pat Riley he wants to go out with at least one more ring. He's not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. one of he's he contributes a lot to Florida's aging population. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, he would. And when you're a, a type of organization like the Miami Heat, you always want to win. They you, when. You know, when when you have Pat Riley leading your team, you always want to win because he's one of the ultimate winners in NBA history. No, there's no tanking involved. There's only winning. And you and he you try to reflect that as much as possible. I know sometimes it, it would have been it would have made more sense to the to have just tanked, but that's not how they're built. And that's what makes it so satisfying when you are a team like out like we are right now who are championship contenders and you did it without having to endure years of tanking of course there were years where you were bad there was a year where we were particularly terrible and then turned it around D-Wade's last season it was tough because it was D-Wade's last season in the NBA but it was also tough because the team as a whole wasn't exactly that good so we couldn't send him out with championship like like say I, I find it I find it hard to find it in an NBA player in the NFL it has happened quite a bit, but in the NBA, I find it hard to to find a legend that went out with a ring. So we were one of those. Mm-hmm. We were one of those that their own legend couldn't just didn't exactly go with a whimper, you know, without in a not the, the manner you would want him to go. But now, now we're competitive, and we're clear cut championship contenders. So to Make once again make a, sh- a long answer short. Yes, it makes it 
it, it, it gives you hunger. I mean, you might have experienced this, Devin, for the better part of the a part of the decade. You got the Milwaukee Bucks are not that good, but then with Giannis ascension and Chris Middleton, all of a sudden you were looking at championship contenders. So I guess that contributes when your team gets eliminated in disappointing fashion, like we did this year and you guys did last season. It it hurts much more. Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I not mistaken? Because if I remember correctly, yeah, uh, well, Giannis first. Playoff appearance, ironically, was against was against the Miami Heat, who probably swept swept them. But that was during the Big Three era. But their first like postseason where Giannis was probably their best player. I think it, I want to say was twenty seventeen, right? Yeah, there were there were a number of um, of Celtics Raptors series mixed in, and I don't remember um, which one came first. Um, I think it. I think was, it was 2017, right? Where they were, where Giannis was the best player for the Bucks, and they made the playoffs. I think they were like the eighth seed. Yeah, I mean Giannis. We we had. I I don't know if there would have really been anyone who would have been clearly better than him. It was probably always up for debate between like him and Chris. So. I don't know, but yeah, either way, either way, the teams didn't really accomplish much until until Bud came, yeah, and then, um, and then of course that ended tragically because there, there. Well, now, now there are talks of like how we want to name like how we want to name like the up two zero, and then like and then lose the next the next four with. Uh, well, with with uh, with it happening to us against Toronto, but then us doing it to the Suns, there is talks about naming it like the 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 Greek or like the freak sweep. But I have mixed feelings because it's it's both parts positive and negative. But I guess it ends in a championship. I think it's still a t- I think it's still a name to be workshopped. What what championship team has not gone through adversity in the years prior before finally breaking breaking through? We had with our own with with the big three that tough tough championship loss in 2011, and then it was mostly LeBron who grew and and grew his game and doing in and doing weight as well by have taking a small step back in, in on offense and look it resulted in, resulted in two straight championships. Every NBA, every NBA championship team has had some sort of adversity through years prior before before reaching the mountaintop. And you guys did it. It's the natural progression of things in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's... I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because maybe it, I guess it happens both ways, but... Um, it, it, it did seem silly all along to assume that 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 Giannis couldn't go any further than like than a disappointing conference final. Like he's just. On the flip side of that, you can also have uh, adversity and seem like you're about to break through, but then you nothing ever happens and you end up with nothing. I.e., OKC Thunder from 2012 to 2016. Yeah, yeah. So it it can go both ways, but I'm 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 happy it turned out 
the way well, obviously i am i'm pleased that we are champions um <laughs> um please so if you yeah please anyway i kind of want to jump back please. into <laughs> oh i'm sorry what was that please tell me if you're not pleased because uh, that will i think you might have deep, deeper issues than that yeah, I don't think I'll ever be fully satisfied until until Giannis brings Greece a gold medal in the Olympics. But hey, the the disease of more, am I right? Hey, anyhow, that kind of some. That's the that's a human condition. Yeah. So I just want to make sure we have uh, all of our eyes dotted and all of our T's crossed here in some of, in some of the free agency talk. Um, Going back over, we can do this quickly because I did it um, previously, obviously, but we're, we're bringing back George Hill. We had a great trade for Grayson Allen, um, essentially swapping some seconds in Sam Merrill for Grayson Allen. I'm not, I don't know if I'm like at the front of the Grayson Allen bandwagon, assuming that he's like a starter because he started last year with the Memphis Grizzlies who are... A much different team, the Milwaukee Bucks. Not that they're not a very lovable team with a bright future. Um, but I'm just like a little skeptical, if nothing else, because I haven't, I didn't watch all of the Grizzlies games. But um, to, to me, he seem, he might be closer to, he might be closer to a Pat Condon than a Dante DiVincenzo. And that's okay. Cause I mean, Pat Condon had a, had a phenomenal uh, playoff run and, Grayson will have to fill in for some of the PJ role because the biggest thing that frustrates me more is is assuming there's a quote from Locked On Locked On Bucks saying that well what if Semi Ojale can be ninety percent of PJ Tucker and there's nothing that like what what really surprised me the most when PJ Tucker came here is the fact that he could that he could move his feet. And stay in front of guys like like Devin Booker, and I don't. So far, I I haven't seen enough from Semi Ojale or heard enough about Semi Ojale being able to do that. I feel like we would have it, it would have been been a bigger deal. <laughs> he would have been a bigger deal prior to this if that were the case. Um, anyhow, we also have Rodney Hood, who is obviously coming off of. Uh, a rough injury or two, and he's on he's on a minimum, kind of similar to an Oladipo vein, but with a but with a uh, lower floor there, of course, not reaching those same heights as as Oladipo, but but definitely a swing, um, just based on recent uh, injury history. And then we had we had a couple late uh, second round picks in Sandro Mamukelishvili and Georgios uh, Kelitsakis. Um, and it's funny, JJ, on my last show, I revealed that I actually ran into Sandro at Lakefront Brewery in Milwaukee, but um, I may have some regrets later on not, uh, on not uh, speaking to him. But I feel okay that I didn't interrupt him. I just maybe, maybe this is a sign for me to get some business cards for Knuck a few bucks if I want to slip it to him. Hey, you just go, business cards sound like the right move. Or, or you can airdrop him an invitation to the podcast. I'm not, I'm not that technological to to work that. But then again, I don't know how crazy airdrops are. I feel like that's 
that that might be kind of basic enough for me to figure out. Um, but then uh, Giorgio's... Uh, airdrops are fairly easy. To yeah. <laughs> true, true. I'm, I mean, I'm a millennial. I should be able to figure that stuff out. I don't know why, why I'm an old man sometimes. Um, but Giorgios Kalitsakis, he's actually, he was our 60th pick before Sandro, who was number 55. He will be actually a full roster slot um, in front of Sandro, who's a two-way, and that's that's mainly due to a technicality with uh, um, where you can't, for some reason, you can't sign, uh, you can't sign someone who uh, was paid like a like a buyout overseas to a two-way contract. I would have to review that, but it's somewhere in Larry Kuhn's uh, CBA FAQ. Um, and then JJ, just just before I move on from free agency, I figured I would I would do do you a bit more justice here. So kindly jumping back on the podcast and seeing if you had any other. Um, Takeaways. I guess we kind of sprinkled it in all along here, but a big one for me besides Lowry and PJ um, was just the was just how last trade trade deadline seems to have paid dividends dividends with giving you a cheap swing at Oladipo um, and securing Deadman also, who's uh, seems to be a very comfortable guy to have as the second center, and then. Also, if you you can just throw in if you have any confidence in Max Struess or Gabe Vincent. Um, Struess had the had that game winner at Summer League that you might have been excited about, but it's also Summer League, so that's all a grain of salt. Any thoughts uh, remaining from free agency for you? I mean, free agency, Victor Depot. Are they excited for him again? We don't want to rush him. There is a report for floating around from I think it was his doctor, the surgeon that performed. The operation on him that the knee is progressing beautifully and he might be soon back sooner than expected i'll believe it when i see it you know we were burned with that last season we thought we had him healthy but he then again it was i think it was revealed that he wasn't exactly fully healed when he was playing with indiana houston and then miami boy he played for three teams last season huh so now that I've I've come to that realization, wow. So anyway, then kind of forgot that too. <laughs> yeah, and I'm really excited because here's the thing: if he comes back healthy and his defense is still there, and offensively, he'll probably have to become a much better perimeter shooter because perimeter shooting is not his main strength. It was always him driving the ball and his quick stop ability for for pull ups. But anyway, if offensively, you know, we don't, we might not need that much from him, given that we have Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson. But on the on the defensive side of him, I'm really curious to see because to see him because he would open up a plethora of possibilities for us, particularly not only I guess your very own Milwaukee Bucks, but the Brooklyn Nets, because then you can throw out a in a playoff series, you can throw out a Cal Lowry, uh, Victor Oladipo, ba- uh, Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, and Bam Adebayo. That's the, that's the ultimate switchable defense to counter the, the Brooklyn Nets because 
every one of those guys can hold their own in the perimeter because, again, the Brooklyn Nets are mostly a perimeter-oriented team, given that they have three of the premier perimeter scorers in the entire league. So that that's what they're going towards here. And not necessarily stopping them because nobody can truly stop all three of those guys. But if you can slow them down enough, and we know the, the Nets' defensive shortcomings, then it's fair game for us. And that's the win, the, the door that Victor Oladipo opens. On the Gabe Vincent part, and, and Max Drews, I should say. Max Drews, I, you know, he's a good shooter. People oftentimes compare him to Duncan Robinson. They bear no similarities. I, I think they bear almost no similarities in their games at all, except, well, they're white and they can shoot well and deep. But aside from that, I would like to see Max Truce not necessarily operate in a Duncan Robinson role. Because Duncan what Duncan Robinson can do, it's almost unparalleled to what he can do is off the ball movement, his his elite shooting. I would I think he, I would like to see him more like operate more off the ball, but also when he gets the ball, he has shown the willingness to drive. So maybe he can continue doing that. Gabe Vincent is probably more crucial because He's right now our secondary. He's our secondary ball handler. He's our backup point guard right now because, and we're waiting for Victor Oladipo to recover defensively. We know what he can do. He's very active. He can move his feet well. He can he can hold up against against almost anybody his size. Offensively is where the, the troubles lie, because he came in bailed as a good three point shooter from the G League. But it didn't exactly translate to the NBA. He was a really poor shooter, three-point shooter, I should say, in the NBA. Maybe his his playmaking ability should be should be improved upon. But again, he's coming off the second unit. That could those type of responsibilities could fall more on Tyler Hero. And I'm pretty sure that one of Jimmy Kyle or Bam will be on the floor at the same time with the second unit. I'm curious to see how Spo mixes and matches that personnel grouping. But yeah, I think if I'm confident, if I had to give a number from one from one to 10, on one being the low, lowest and 10 being the absolute highest, on how confident I am with Gabe Vincent being our backup point guard, I would say a six. Because I, make, I'm, I think he's capable defensively. Offensively is where the questions lie. And you, know, the, you could say a lot about you can say that a lot of times about this team. So let's see how it goes. Okay. And I guess I, that's a fair spot to be in if you're upgrading someone from a two-way spot. Um, I don't know if he was, because similar with the, we really went off on some Diakite talk earlier, but I don't know if he was eventually signed to a rest-of-season contract after a two-way later on in the year. But regardless, if you played two-way at all last year and, he shows signs of being a contributor on the on the A team. Then, and that's not bad um, for him, I guess. Maybe less so for the roster. But, anyways, um, lastly here, I don't want to keep you too long, JJ. I thank you for sticking around here, um, and I love I, I love our I love our little digressions too. Uh, I have a lot. I, of, usually, I have a lot of fun. Yeah, I love doing yeah. this. Yeah, I'm not usually, uh, well, I should say I'm usually a little more hard-pressed for time here, but 
Uh, I could definitely go on for a bit longer. I would definitely be remiss, though, if I didn't bring up uh, Mike Boonholzer's three-year contract extension, which takes him through the 24-25 season. Um, He had spoken on the low post about how he would have taken a 20-year extension, of course, tongue-in-cheek, because that's... um, that's not a thing. I don't know how, how deep they go into coaching contracts in the CBA, but certainly unprecedented. Uh, he's definitely, but has has gotten a lot of criticism and certainly deserved at times. Like if, if JJ and I were here talking at this time last season, there would have been some things to say, but he also answered a lot of those questions. Um, and of course, winning a championship, I think uh, a three-year contract is fair, but also... If uh, some other things that we've seen before come to light and we want to we wanna take a different approach because it'll be increasingly difficult to change anything else about anything else about our team as far as roster construction, I think it's good. I think it's a good order of business. Um, but since we're speaking with someone from the Miami Heat, of course, with Eric Spolstra, one of the best, one of the best, best coaches in the game, um, Perhaps underrated. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe everyone knows how great he is. But the athletics, uh, David Aldridge and Marcus Thompson spoke with uh, Jason Jackson, who seems to be uh, someone who speaks in the Miami he does the, media. He, he does the halftime show for Valley Sports for the Miami Heat games. Oh, okay. And, and the pregame show as well. Okay. I figured you would know, but we hadn't discussed that ahead of time. But... Checks out because he seemed like a really, really charismatic dude, and he and he and Da really hit it off. They've Jason as well must must have been in the industry for quite a while. They spoke uh, about Eric Spolstra, and they said that his greatest strength was, um, I'm trying to quote him verbatim, but it was basically never being shackled down to just one approach, being. Um, always being open for change. Um, I forget if there is another basically analogy for uh, just basically Eric Spolster's versatility. Do you have anything in particular? Uh, is there anything that makes Eric Spolster great uh, beside that you think people don't recognize more? Um I don't know. Any thoughts on Eric Spolstra that you think people need? I just think something that that goes maybe not goes under is underrated by from by his peers and people in the media and fans in general. But uh, I I don't know if you people have noticed, but how prepared the team always looks. How and I know that's that's a that's the coach's job, right? Well, sometimes. You know, we, we have seen teams like even the same Milwaukee Bucks out in, in their playoff loss against the Heat. Not to keep bringing that up. but <laughs> Yeah, we can let bygones be bygones. We're champions for now. How sometimes I feel like maybe not unprepared, but rather unwilling to adjust they were last season. And, you know, credit to Bud. He learned, he learned his lesson probably had a really long sit down with ownership and I find it and kind of wrap up with the Eric Spolstra thing, but I want to, then I want to say something about, but Eric Spolstra, I think Jax is right on point. The, his ability to, to not stick with just one thing and 
saying, hey, this is what, this is what we do and we're going to just do it. Because as we have seen, he, he fits his personnel, you know, on the defensive end in particular. He tries to fit with his, tries to fit different schemes depending on personnel. Whenever there was a, where there were possessions where they were Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero, and Duncan Robinson even had to share the floor together. They had to play zone defense in order to, to, as Paul was willing to play zone defense in order to, to counter their lack of point of attack defense. That's why, you know, that was one of the main issues for the Heat last season. They lacked point of attack defenders, particularly in the backcourt. So we had to resort to a lot of zone, I believe. That they were the team who played the most zone in, in the entire league. And also offensively, in how, how they're looking to run more stuff. I'm, I'm the only thing that I, that I would like to push back on is, you know, I know that it's a lethal play, but maybe move back from it to make it even more lethal. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, run it less, but so that when you run it, it just, there's absolutely nothing that the defense can do. What I mean is the dribble handoff between Bam and, and Duncan. Maybe have more, like, some sort of RPO like they do in football. Like, instead of, of just always the defense knowing that Bam is going to hand it off to Duncan, have Duncan read, have, excuse me, have Duncan and, and Duncan and Bam read the the defense and have Bam keep it and drive it to, to the rim. Have I think that should be something that Spo should direct Bam to do more often because we didn't see it that much. And yeah, I think that's what makes Spo great for all those little things. On the Bud side of things, congrats to him for getting a contract extension. He's a good coach. Yeah, I know sometimes we sometimes we like to criticize he's he's an NBA coach. To be an in order to be an NBA coach, you have to be a good coach. You have to be very knowledgeable in basketball. That could, you probably know one percent of basketball that compared to Bud and that's totally fine. But also something a bit more tonic cheek. He should be cutting a bit more of those checks to Kevin Durant's feet. Because that's true. <laughs> because because I think it was there was a report out there and pardon me if if, if it's not true or if it, or if I misread. But he was essentially coaching for his job in that series, right? I think that's very much true. I think I was, I feel like I was on a more of an apologist side than other Bucks fans even going into that series. Because I went into it like, well, what do you expect us to do? Beat the favorites? But I, but I also was like, well, we, we ought to be at least competitive. And then considering the luck that we spoke to, which happens... I think that also didn't bode well for him when when it did go to a game seven and we did we did squander um well where like the approach of just let Kevin Durant score score forty eight forty nine points did not work out for us. In in a game that frankly you guys should have should have closed out before halftime because you had a bit late big lead. But somehow you let the Nets keep getting to stay in it, and then Kevin Durant happened. Exactly, like there were just too many. There were just too many instances where there were two games in particular. Um, maybe may, maybe I was just thinking of of game one, but maybe there there is even another game that that isn't coming to mind where it was even more like where it was even more egregious where we should have taken home the win, where 
if we didn't come out of that series, I think he, I think he would have been gone. So I think you're right. Yeah. So hey, but hey, congrats to him. I'm, I'm never gonna, you know, I, I don't like calling for another man's job. That's not something yeah. that that's doesn't sit right with me. I could have seen why he probably would have gotten canned, but he didn't. He did. He got the job done. He had a great game plan for for the finals, and he's an NBA champion now. And you can't. You can never take that away from him. Yeah, exactly. I think. I think this is kind of a fair medium where, I mean, the the press between him and like Rick Carlisle. Um, I don't. I don't. R- I, I didn't I, even I, think to compare him to. I remember Spolstra, that, but I remember that the 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 Bud and, and Carlisle thing that essentially even during the net series, people were already anointing Rick Carlisle as the next Bucks head coach. Yeah, no, actually, that's that's a funny uh, time to point to a little later. So we hadn't even talked about this. Probably is at least for myself the most forgotten point is the fact that like. That like any reasonable person probably expected that Giannis had a torn ACL, knock on wood, during that Hawks series. And there, I remember one particular lockdown bucks lockdown bucks episode. And I know they have to go every day, which I don't have the lug. Which well, I guess I could do, but they have the burden of having to react so instantaneously. And they were even thinking. They were thinking, well, maybe it would have been better to lose in the net series because then Giannis would be healthy and we could have just fired Bud <laughs> and gotten Rick Carlisle. Like, funny how things funny how funny things. funny how things turn around, yeah. But um Yeah, no, things are Yeah, I I think it's a happy medium because of course we're not far away from thinking like Okay, he's like we at least need we at least need a, a change of face here to him winning a championship, and I think I think it's fair that we're not just giving him like a like a like a Carlisle type of anointment just because he also won a he also won a won a difficult championship similar to the the Dallas Mavericks in 2019. Fortunately, against us, yeah. So bring it all back but y'all y'all got two more and you guys still have a bright future so yeah so to to bring it to bring it back around we'll uh we'll 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 call it even there and um before before i call it on this one jj do you have any do you have anything that you would like to plug of course we 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 all know that that you are uh, co-host with uh with uh kenneth wilson at the 305 Culture uh, show with uh, Hoop Heads. Um, is, there any, is there anywhere else where, pe- where people can find you? And uh, Well, you can, find, you can find me on Twitter at JJ Rivera NBA. Right now, I'm currently doing the podcast because it's what I, want, what I really want to do. You can also check out my co-host at Case underscore said underscore K. That's Q-U-U as in Case said what? But in Spanish, K underscore said underscore Q U E. You can also follow our podcast at Three Hundred Five Culture Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Although we're more more most active on Twitter and Instagram, 
I don't know if there's people out there that still use Facebook for a podcast, but hey, we are there for you. And hey, um, I don't know. I guess that that would be it. Check out our po- our podcast, please. If if you're a Heat fan or if you know any Heat fans, we're we go we go on every week, and we we have some good stuff coming coming your way. So thanks for having me, Devin. Really. Of course. Thank you so much for joining me, JJ, and for filling filling the void here in the off season. Uh, also, I almost, I, I almost <laughs> forgot. My co-host is the is a site expert for all you can heat. That's fan site. It's Miami Heat site, so you can check them check his work out there as well, and all the great writers that work there. Oh no way! Yeah, definitely shout out Kenneth and go check him out there. Um, and I it was funny. I also didn't put it together. This is how uncultured I am um, that the K said K thing doesn't I just realized put together that that that's K said what. So that's that's a great at for Twitter. Um, You can also find Nuck If You Buck at Nuck If You Buck NBA on Twitter and Instagram. You is just the letter you everything else is how it's how it sounds. Um yeah, and before we totally shove off here, I just wanted to give a knock a few bucks shout out to Bucks radio play-by-play broadcaster Ted Davis, who's uh, been with the Bucks since 1997, the year I was born, if you're wondering. Uh, so that's 24 years with the Milwaukee Bucks. He, like uh, Jim Patchkey, heading out on, on a high note there, and that just... Uh, that just adds more and more to the to the magic of this championship to this championship run of course like like I've recounted here with JJ um especially I'm still taken aback by by the by the bounce back in in uh health and availability from Giannis Antetokounmpo um after bending his leg back so far um But yeah, lots left on the cutting room floor, but I think that's plenty for y'all out there. So with that, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.